my reflections and experiences as an academic and researcher and researcher developer. So we've already had a brief introduction to me. I am the co-director for the Centre for Academic and Research Development within the Faculty of Biology, Medicine and Health at the University of Manchester. I am also the university lead for equality, diversity and inclusion with a specific focus on driving gender equality at the University of Manchester and across the sector. So before I launch into what I think are some of the challenges, issues and the state of UK research and academia, I just wanted to give you a sense of where I'm coming from and a very brief walkthrough of my career journey. So I am now very old and um, I graduated in 1992 as a biochemist and molecular biologist and then embarked on a very traditional academic career pathway in the field of cancer research, working for Cancer Research UK, then moving into Pfizer Central Research in the UK and then realising there was a ceiling for people without a PhD even within private research and development in the UK. So then took a case studentship with AstraZeneca and the University of Manchester and have never left the university. And um, so I'm going for my long service award now with the University of Manchester. Straight from my PhD as a gene therapist developing novel viral delivered treatments for solid tumours, I um, took a postdoc in the same field, a five-year funded MRC programme grant, doing well, papers, grants in my own right with breast cancer campaign, promoted to research fellow at the University of Manchester. Um, and all was well with the world, or was it? Not, not internally and not for me emotionally. Looking at my CV, things were looking rosy, but on a personal level, I was early 30s, just getting married, looking to start a family, um, and also um, in terms of the research field of gene therapy and viral delivery, there had been a death in the UK, um, in the US, of Jesse Gelsinger on a clinical trial using adenovirus vectors, um, and it had a real impact on the funding in the area that I was researching as well. So a real crossroads for me in terms of the funding landscape I was faced with, in terms of my own emotional turmoil about how I would balance precarious contracts with um, having a family. So at the same time, fortuitously, there was a report by um, Sir Gareth Roberts in the UK who recognised that actually early career researchers need more help and support to help manage the careers, navigate through the complex environment of academia and research. And some money was ring-fenced by the research councils to start research development programme in the institutions across the UK. So I applied for this job. Um, my professor and um, boss thought that this was astounding. What on earth are you doing? You're moving out of academic research and you're taking an administrative role in the University of Manchester. Complete failure. Um, but actually, I haven't looked back. On the back of the Concordat that was produced across the UK to support the career development of researchers, I've worked to embed the principles at the University of Manchester and to develop a, a continuum of development for researchers and academics across the university. And this actually now publishing in the area of research and development, I'm back in research but not in cancer research in a new field. We founded the Centre for Academic and Research Development. I also had my two wonderful sons who are there and cheeky as ever and I've left somewhere with the husband in uh, the park. Um, we won't see them, don't worry, don't be frightened. And um, I was also able to work part-time and to move back onto the academic scale because I was researching, because I was publishing and also leading on the research development, academic development for the faculty and university. I was promoted on the academic pathway and more recently I've become really interested and passionate about 
bringing down barriers in terms of researcher inequalities, raising the visibility and profile of the researcher community, but also noting that many people at the early career researcher stage are women and ethnic minorities. You know, we have rough parity at this career stage. But as you move forward up in the hierarchy of our institutions, women and minority researchers are lost. And this is, um, you know, very much where my dual role now sits and I'm leading on creating a more inclusive culture within academia and within research. So that's background to me um, and what my motivations and interests are. And, um, you know, my career actually reflects the changes that have happened in the 20 years that I have been working in academia and in research. I mean, I've responded to those changes through and uh, with the support of mentors, colleagues, and a wide network. So essentially, now that's what I do at the Centre for Academic and Research Development. I help researchers like you buffer the internal and external drivers and pressures that they face, excel at the research, excel at the teaching and learning, and advance their career. So the things that I want to focus in on with my remaining 10 minutes are some of the key challenges that I perceive and hear commonly um, across the sector and from the researchers that I support. So we have to acknowledge that the um, majority of early career researchers um, are on precarious contracts and this absolutely looms large and I've shared my own emotional um, conflict with that. And there is also a very narrow view of what career success looks like in academia and in research. You know, I talked about my prof and PI viewing my move into an administrative role, a research development role, as failure. So I always start with research staff at Manchester, start with um, talking about the importance of um, trying to challenge that view, prioritising career management and developing wide networks of support. I've also done a lot of work um, in the institution and across the sector with colleagues like Steve at the back um, and Researchers 14 to raise the visibility and the recognition of the contribution that early career researchers make. And I also want to touch on the bias in research and uh, really put a call out for collective action so that we can um, call out inequalities when we see them in ourselves and others and create a more inclusive um, research culture. So. This is the slide that I always use at induction with research staff. And I know every single person in this room will be doing a really good job. You'll be working like a dog. You'll be working 24-7, or at least mentally working 24-7. But actually, that will only count for a small part of what it actually takes to get the recognition and to advance your career at the rate that you want to advance it. So I can't stress enough um, for you guys to think about um, working hard and doing a good job and doing fantastic research with impact, but also think about how you portray yourself, what you say about yourself, what people know you for. You are experts, you have lots of achievements, lots of contributions that you're making to your institutions, but so many of you, including myself, can be pigeonholed as someone's postdoc or as someone's PhD student. So, you know, sit and think over this next week, you know, what are your strengths, skills and achievements and start to think about who knows that, who knows you just as someone's postdoc or do they know those things that you've achieved um, and then go out and tell anyone who will listen. Advocate for yourself widely because having that wide exposure and wide network of support and advocates is crucial for every sector not just academia. I work with researchers and I take them from feeling like this. I work for food frankly. Um, I unpick their CV and I say, well, you know, you're giving me the tip of the iceberg in terms of your strengths, skills and achievements. Tell me what you did this month. Tell me what you did in the last six months. 
And where is that reflected in your CV or in what you say about yourself? And also, dare to admit what you want. So um, I'm not going to go into it because I don't have enough time, but um, go, look up the Harvard Goals Study. Essentially, people who have spent some time thinking seriously about the career, thinking about what they want, but then, then writing it down are far more successful. The Harvard Gold Study talks about economic success, um, but it will absolutely accelerate your career progression. So um, I'm sharing, and I actually have written my personal goals down on rocks that sit on my desk in my office. So professor by 50, I'm 48, so I've got to get my skates on. Um, and I'm passionate about research culture. And that's why I said yes to this event today. Um, it just allows me to really prioritise and safeguard my time and decide what I will say yes to and what I won't say yes to as you become really sought after for the skills that you have. The other thing that I want to say is um, in terms of m my career success, don't be frightened of putting yourself forward. Don't be wait, wait to be tapped on the shoulder. Independent funding if you want an academic career clearly is, is key and absolutely start off small. All of our institutions run internal calls, pump priming um, awards specifically targeting early career researchers, and we don't have people coming forward for them. Similarly for prizes and awards, so I hold the Nick McNally Prize for Radiation Research, it's a UK prize, and um, I didn't apply, I was sat there like you thinking, no, I won't apply, but one of my friends happened to be on the panel the year before. And she said, only six people applied, Rachel, and your CV is better than them all. So, you know, get funding, small amounts. Um, and the funders themselves wanting early career researchers to come forward with their ideas um, and to be recognised. And they are removing some of the barriers on their eligibility criteria so that researchers um, can be co-investigators, co-applicants, and fully recognised for the contribution to grants. And very quickly, um, absorb yourself in the, the news coming out with respect to U UK research and global research. Does anybody, everybody in the, the room know about this um, website, Research Professional? It's a global funding search engine for all disciplines across all continents um, worldwide. It's also a newsletter, so I'll get the latest feed about what Brexit means with respect to UK research coming into my inbox on a daily basis. This is just the front cover of the, new, of the newspaper talking about um, what the impact of freedom of movement will be on UK research. So make sure you take that down. I've put a couple of other slides in as well because research staff at Manchester and you guys probably are contributing way beyond your research in terms of what you're bringing to your institutions. And um, much of that isn't formally recognised, but you should absolutely have it on your CV and you should absolutely talk about it and advocate for yourself. So, you know, we're a research-intensive institution and many of our researchers are getting heavily involved in teaching and learning. And, you know, I've been working to recognise that contribution. Also, many of the research staff now at Manchester are contributing to decision making, um, so you know the research staff have a voice within the future um, and, and can shape that within the institution and across the sector. That was just me in terms of career management. The other thing that I also want to highlight is that the, actually the structures within our teams is changing and we need to respond to this as a sector and start to um, expand the academic career pathways that are open within research. So this is the classic academic pyramid structure moving from PhD to postdoc to lecturer to senior lecturer and professor. And actually, you know, we've all seen the alarming figures about um, the number of people that actually make it to professor of 0.5% of the population of PhD graduates. 
but actually in our own institutions now, research teams don't look like this. It's much more about people not being independent researchers, but being enablers, being um, expert technologists and statisticians, and they're not actually going to be able to meet the existing criteria on the academic pathway. So there was a report by the Academy of Medical Sciences at the start of this year, um, and we at Manchester now are picking up some of the messages from um, that report, and, and Glasgow University have trailblazed in this area. We're now expanding our academic pathways beyond research and research and teaching to reflect this new um, team scientist role, um, research scientist, technical and specialist scientist. The last bit of time I want to use really to talk about research inequalities and inequalities for researchers. So there is a, you, lots of messaging um, around the inequalities in society and this, um, the same inequalities exist within research and within our organisations. Um, there's a wonderful work from um, the Equality, Diversity and Inclusion group. Um, it's a consortium of um, funders. Um, and institutions, predominantly in the south of England, and I've just taken some snapshots of, uh, that really emphasise how UK, EU and global research and innovation is not serving the population equally. So um, I don't know whether you can see this, but if you reflect on your own studies and my own research, the majority of the preclinical testing that I did for my viral gene therapy approaches for cancer were done in male mice and in male animals. Similarly, if you look at um, clinical trials studies, um, there is complete lack of diversity in, in terms of the, the um, people that are enrolled on those trials. So we're really only testing much of our therapies and new products um, with white men in mind. Um, so similarly for innovation, you know, you've probably seen the newspaper reports around um, crash test, test dummies being um, essentially modelled on um, the male anatomy and no recognition of what safety um, features in cars might be doing in terms of being useful for women. And it's something that the funders now, when you're putting in grants, they are asking you to consider your research and experimental design in terms of when, whether there is any bias. So um, have a reflect on that and have a look at what is coming out and get involved in the discussions with EDIS. Similarly, in terms of, um, you know, I've already alluded to the fact uh, that there's a loss of women and minority um, researchers through the pipeline. This is just some um, recent figures from the European Union um, showing the gender pay gap for um, female researchers, despite there being parity at PhD and early career researcher level. And similarly, um, loss of women from PhD graduate up to heads of institution and boards of, of research organisations. And you'll have seen, you know, recent newspaper reports about the bias in publications and in citation in authorship. And this is even more stark when you start to bring in discrimination on, on the grounds of race, be it conscious or unconscious. This is the recent Advance HE data for the um, UK professor profile. So here we can see in the dark blue is the percentage of white male professors in the UK, over two-thirds, then white female professors, 23.1%, and then if you start to bring and look at the data for black, Asian, ethnic minorities, we have 6.5% of um, professors who are BME and male, and only under 2% who are female and BME. And actually, I job share this role with Dawn Edge, and she is the 26th black professor in the UK. She made professor this year. Um, which is a staggering figure. 
Um, so I, in my university lead role, are doing a lot in the space to look at systemic bias and bias in research. I can't do it on my own and I need to do it with you guys. So it has to be collective action. We all need to have open conversations at home and at work about some of the social norms that create barriers for people who are doing predominant share of caring outside of the workplace. And we should all think about whether we are, um, you know, what our unconscious biases are and what we perceive as um, research leadership capability and whether we, are, we see that more preferentially in one group of people or another. So I think we, should, we need to challenge the current culture in the UK um, and we should call things out when we see them. Come and speak to me um, and uh, we can work collectively and together on this. So I'm going to finish it there. Great. Thank you.